Welcome to What the What. I'm Renee. Jeff. Hi, Renee. Hi, Jeff. I'm Scott. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, to finally meet in person. Yeah, purple hair. I love it. That's right. That's great. And that's not Jeff with purple hair, by the way. Not yet. A little bit of maroon, but that's all right. I'll give you guys some time. He's got to retire before he can have purple hair. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's because Jeff is in the military, FYI, everybody. Yep. Um, So, guys, uh, we're going to go a little dark today. And I'm gonna, the question I'm going to ask you is, be willing to be open to this, right? Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? No, but I can make something. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, like, no. Um, slipping on your floor? Yeah, I survived that. I survived slipping on my floor, cracking my head open, and not throwing up in my bed, so... If I survive this past Friday, I can I can survive just about anything. Okay, like a hurricane. Someone's gonna you have to do something like out of the blue, just a hurricane. Or if we're gonna be like really dark and be dark, um, and yes, fun and fun. It doesn't have to be fun. <laughs> it won't be fun. I've had, <laughs> I've had cancer a couple times, so like that's not a bad, you know. Sure. You know, odds wise that I might have that again at some point. So I don't have an intuition about how I'm gonna die. However, it is funny that you um, brought this question up because I actually was thinking about this this morning. Have you ever, have either of you ever seen the show A Thousand Ways to Die? No. Okay, so this was on FX or Spike several years ago, and it was it was just that. They did like reenactments of people dying in really random and bizarrely um, uh, humiliating ways, like adults being dressed up like little babies in, in adult-sized <laughs> cribs and actually being suffocated when, when the railing of the crib crushed his larynx. And what I learned from that show is there are ways I don't want to die. Okay, what's one I of don't want to I don't want to die naked in the shower. Uh, I don't want to, like, and it sounds like a terrible thing, especially after what Scott just said, I'm okay with dying from cancer. I'm okay. I'm okay with something that's normal and that has some level of dignity, but I don't want to be on a thousand ways to die ever. And I was thinking about this because of my experience of slipping and cracking my head open right. and I'm coming out of my bathroom the other day. And I was like, wow, if, if I had actually died there, other than that really suck of my roommate who now just got evicted, um, I don't want to be found like that ever in my life. I think oh. the best way to go is that you, um, the Grim Reaper comes and visits you, and he or she knocks on your door and says, I'm going to come by tomorrow. And so you say, okay, Grim Reaper, fine. You slam the door on the Grim Reaper's face, and then there's, like, a huge tragedy somewhere, and you go and you rescue, like, a whole, a whole bunch of people, and then you're a hero, and then you die. So you're famous. And you're a hero. So knowing that you're going to die, you're willing to put yourself and up you're like, risk. Screw you, Grim Reaper. I died a day early, and I'm a hero. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. Or you just play them in chess, and then yeah. a lot of the people slip away. As yeah, they, that, yeah, that's the, a reference the seven, a lot of people aren't going to get. I know. It's the seventh, seventh seal, seventh right? Seal. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm fairly certain I'm going to die in a car accident. And I, I'm saying that fairly certain. I don't really know. But I just had, um, you know, some dramatic moments with cars, and I will probably, given that I'm not likely to retire and there'll be no one to look after me, I'm just going to thumb on Louise it. I'm just going to go, like, I'm just going to take care of that myself. And I think doing it in a car, going off a cliff, kind of, kind of a fun way to go. So what point do you have to be when you push the thumb on Louise button 
Like what, what tells you today's the day <laughs> that I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like it's not next year. I, I, that's a, I think it will probably have to be at that moment where your mind is still working, but there's this fear that you'll suddenly have to get into an undignified space of someone wiping your ass and somebody else like taking care of you in a way. And given again, that I don't have children and the, you know, that, it wouldn't be my family doing it. It would be, and I don't have money, so I'll just be in some weird backwater care center, and I don't want that. That's my greatest. That's my greatest fear. So I'm gonna dumb on Louisa before and that. If you don't have money, it's probably gonna be like in a gremlin or something going over the cliff. It's not even gonna be the cool <laughs> convertible. Right well, I mean, yeah, I'm not. It doesn't have to be a nice, nice car. I, in fact, yeah, take a gremlin. Something that will explode when it lands. <laughs> so, so I just I'm making a mental note. Thirty years from now. If you try to borrow, <laughs> yeah. if I have a cool car and you try to borrow it, Do not you're let not me. getting it. Don't I'm not loaning it to you. The, the mental note I just made is significantly different than what you did. I was wondering if anybody else listening to this just realized that they could kill Renee and make it look like she did it to herself and use this as evidence. Probably. I mean, so, this... <laughs> Jeff just noticed. <laughs> then just, you you want to you go dark thing. with me? I'll, 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 I'll go pretty dark. I have a friend, uh, Leela. She, we were talking about, um, about how sort of like criticizing people. It's like, you're not special. And she talks about this one comic strip where this guy asks the character, you know, like, what, what would you say to your younger self if you could? And, and so the guy builds a time machine, travels back in time, gets out to his younger self and says, you're not special, not even in a bad way. And that's the way I feel about that is like, no one's going to murder me. I'm not that great. I'm not that special. No one's actually going to murder me. So although this would be great footage for the dateline where you end up murdering me and then. <laughs> Anna is looking sus very suspicious. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. The episode never made it to the air. What if it turns oh. out to be like a murder on the Orient Express thing and we all do? You all. <laughs> what if she actually dies in a car accident today and we all get arrested? <laughs> Anna, erase the tape. I love it. Oh, that was great. Okay. So, so what I want to talk about today is less dark, which is what things need to die in 2020? What do we need to let go of? What tropes, what memes, what techniques, what art forms, what needs to go away? Okay, Baby Yoda, leave Baby Yoda alone. <laughs> God damn everybody, leave that Baby Yoda alone. Baby Yoda will not die in 2020. That Baby Yoda is the safest character in the history of everything. <laughs> we, would, we won't riot because there's children in cages. We're gonna riot because Baby Yoda got theoretically killed, right? So yeah. yeah. Yeah, more people got pissed off about Baby Yoda getting punched while he's in a bag <laughs> than actual human beings locked up in cages. That's true. That was hard to watch, though. You got it. I'm not going to lie. That was hard to watch Baby Yoda get. I knew it would be fine. Anyway, The murderer men and... Like, <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay, what needs to die is baby people punching Baby Yoda. Point one. But what do you see? And this actually came out of a conversation that we had on New Year's Day about what we think needs to be put to rest. Scott? Um, I would like to see put to rest in 2020 and beyond uh, based on a true story that's not really based on a true story that doesn't just come clean and say, yeah, okay, we, we put this together 
base, but we fictionalized it. Like that word should somehow be like this is a fictionalized account that's based on a true story, so that people don't watch these TV shows and movies and stuff and really believe that things actually happen that way. When when so often, as a matter of fact, I'd venture to say most of the time these based on the true stories tend to be fall very far from the tree. I'd like to see that change. What would replace it? I think what would replace it, I, I want to give like filmmakers and people, I want to give them lots of leeway to do creative things and fictionalized accounts. And so I just think they should say so. To me, it's really disingenuous to start, you know, the beginning of every you know, every episode of the of the Unabomber um, series, uh, Manhunt Unabomber, uh, which we actually talked about one episode at length. Like the beginning of every, you know, it's based on a true story. It's like, it's a fictionalized account that's based on a true story because if you really, and, and there are things about it that did go down that way and things that didn't. And the reality is that film and filmmaking is actually a really difficult way to portray the way something actually happened. And that's why documentaries, many documentaries, try hard to like to sort of show you what, and they can't even do it. And they're telling you, you know, we're struggling to sort of, sort of recreate something. To think that somebody who's making a narrative movie can just sit down and say, yeah, this is based on a true story. And then it's like, well, we didn't like this character and that character, so we amalgamated them into one. I mean, that happens all the time. Or this plot point is inconvenient. It's like we talked about Jeff's favorite movie of 2019 was Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and because he loves Queen and he loves that and he hated the movie, right? You didn't, yeah. you fought on a number of levels. I really, I said that, that like, that's a perfect movie. When I was saying it was a perfect movie, I was saying, like, audiences are going to eat this up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But it's not an accurate portrayal of Freddie Mercury's life. It's an accurate portrayal in some ways of some things about Freddie Mercury. But if you feel like you got the whole picture, and if you feel like events happened in the, in the right order, you're just wrong. It didn't happen that way. And many of the scenes in the movie were just staged because they worked well for the movie, not because they worked well historically. I just want I just want people to know that so that they don't go around spouting what they see in movies as history. Do you think there's a difference to between because some some movies will say based on a true story and some will just say inspired, inspired by, by true events? I, I, I'm okay with that, but I wish it would say it's fictionalized at some point. Just say, I just wish that they would just cop to it. This is this is a work of fiction. Yeah. South Park does that every single episode. Yeah. Any 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 um. Any, re any resemblance to yeah. people living yeah. or dead is purely coincidental. Yeah. I remember the very, you know, when I say the very first, the movie Fargo, <laughs> not the TV series Fargo, but the movie Fargo, you know, it starts with uh, a black screen, if I remember this correctly, but basically it starts with something that says, you know, inspired by true events or based on a true story. That was really the first time that I became aware of this problem with that. And I think that the Cone brothers were actually being quite wry when they did that because that didn't happen as often in movies as it does now. And they were playing with that a bit. It's almost like the way Spinal Tap, you know, you can watch Spinal Tap and, and, and know. And I think, their thought, I think they kind of thought their audience would know that this didn't really have, but people thought that Fargo was a pretty much blow by blow retelling of something that actually happened. And spoiler alert, reality, it's not. 
And it's still a great, it's a brilliant movie. It doesn't even need that to carry it. And it can st- you can still look at that movie and say, well, this is in- tr- inspired by like the crazy and stupid and fucking idiotic things that people do. And maybe go back and look and see, well, what really happened that inspired it and all of that versus walking out of there and feeling like you were just given a narrative, a, a, a history of something that is, is true. I mean, truth is elusive enough, right? Let's try not to make it more complicated for people. But I wonder, like I was Aaron Brockovich, for example, what if, what our experience is when we realize that this is is a reflection of some part of the truth, how like moving it is to know stand and deliver again sort of based on truth like that understanding that this type of stuff can happen in the world does something interesting as a viewer um so there's that sort of interplay right of of that that i find might be lost if it's always conceded as fiction but and maybe it's worth losing that i mean i guess that's my contention is Mm. that it's because it's honest like it's really honest to say you know i i can't um let's say like ford v ferrari right Mm -hmm. right some of ford v ferrari happened some of ford v ferrari didn't happen in you know in Mm -hmm. historically some of it happened in sort of a different order and then really if if you're portraying the inner life of people who existed historically, and then trying to have that inner life sort of play. I mean, you're gonna make the Christian Bale character probably more that character than the character was in real life. It's just, it's an automatic thing. And I liked Ford v Ferrari. I thought it was a good movie, it was fun to watch, I loved the way it was shot, there was a lot about it that I, I really liked. Not one of my favorite of all time, but like really good. But I just, for me, I feel protective of people walking out of that and saying that like they saw a performance of somebody who was the head of a, a you know the head of Ferrari and they're going to believe that the head of Ferrari reacted in precisely that way and i can guarantee however the head of Ferrari acted it was not precisely like that it didn't look exactly like that and i just want to I just want to be clean with people on that, that it's still a movie and it's one person's interpretation. It's one person's viewpoint about what happened. Yeah, fair. So I would probably answer your question, but definitely just following what Scott was saying. There's there's another, there's a channel on YouTube that I love watching called History Buffs. I think I've mentioned this (laughs) once before. Um, where where all all he does, and I've, again, I don't remember his name, but all, all he does is look at historical-based films and review how accurate they are to actual history. And some, some movies he's like, you know, he's really impressed with how good they do. Um, one person in particular, he loathes with a passion, which we all would, but for different reasons, that's Mel Gibson. So Mel Gibson has done a string of movies from Braveheart, Passion of the Christ, um, uh, the Patriot and probably the worst offender was Apocalypto. And if you if you watch particularly like Apocalypto where you have no frame of reference for judging its veracity, um, but there's gonna be people that the only thing they will ever know in their entire lives about Mayan people will be from that movie. But it it wasn't that one was not positioned as a based on a true story. So that one's not that one's slightly different different than what you're saying, which is pe- setting up an expectation that people are watching something historical. But 
it was in particular at this period of time when when Mel Gibson was doing historical movies there was a lot of effort putting into making it having the trappings of historical authenticity like shooting the passion of the Christ in Aramaic it makes people who who are have we all have busy lives and if you know and all they do is go see this movie they don't necessarily have in that moment the the mental architecture to say I'm, th this is 90% BS. But what you're saying, though, is different in the sense that what, essentially what then that sets up is this idea that he has to be 100% historically accurate. No, he has to, to what, to what Kyle was saying, <laughs> Sorry. they have to, there has to be some kind of a disclaimer in the beginning or something. Why? He, or did, just he didn't general. say, he didn't say that one was historically accurate. So he wasn't. Yeah, um, I, <coughs> you know, I'm thinking about, um, Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra. And, you know, if we go back to movies like that, I think, like, when people watched that movie, like, they they got that it was on a set in L.A. And that it... And, and, but now we are... We have this ability with CGI. <coughs> There's so much that we can do to make it look and feel real. And, and people, when they go to a movie theater, they want it to look and feel real and to have that kind of, like, realistic experience that like I really I really think that we're we're gonna be coming up with a generation of people and this includes people our age too right but who watch this and just take this stuff as gospel <laughs> you know Pastor so, of the Christ they take it as gospel and it's not spe speaking of gospel um, anybody anybody that portrays Jesus Christ as tall blonde blue eyed long hair <clears throat> white skin is being completely irresponsible that is it is absolutely physically impossible but that's, that's a fiction like. so those are different issues because what you're talking about is when something actually happened and portraying it as fiction saying it's fiction that's exactly what he did he didn't say based on true experience right like because because it's the it's the expectation of what someone is meant to believe about the veracity of the film. I mean, biblical stuff gets even more I mean, complicated yeah, because yes. people have all kinds of interpretations of that. But this idea of there's this passion narrative, I mean, the movie is called The Passion of the Christ. There is this specific passion narrative and people will look at that and, and say, oh, okay, that's an actual thing. Mel Gibson is actually showing us you know, the best so far in showing us you know, how this really happened. Okay. That is still a separate issue though. So I think to whether or not you show historical stuff and he did exactly what you did, what you're arguing for is he didn't say based on true events. Now, can someone infer that it's based on true events if you believe that Jesus actually literally lived? Yes, but that's, he's not falling into the problem that you're talking about, which is people at the start setting up an expectation that you're meant to believe everything yeah, now you, implied within that yes is that but as far as like what an artist is meant to do is like what if we take away the inspired by true events or taken like what's the replacement for that i think i think <clears throat> uh, to me what i would love to see is this is a fictionalized account inspired by true events yeah, like that would, uh, I would feel better about that. Fair because okay. it is definitely fictional. I mean, if you see Charles Manson 
on in a TV show, like it's just not going to get like to what Charles Manson was really like, and just and, it, and it's just not. And you know, you can really sort of do your best, but the minute you stray one iota from what really happened, you know, it's maybe was that prosecuting attorney there that day? No, he wasn't. But let's put him in. Boom. To me, at at that point, you've really yeah, think about Gone with the Wind, right? Margaret Mitchell. Like, supposedly, like, that book is so incredibly well-researched that, I mean, people, like, they put all this time into just trying to figure out, like, what might not have actually happened that, like, Margaret Mitchell got wrong. And even so, like, that is a work. It's a work of a fiction. fiction. It's, against, yes. it's, it's against the <clears throat> historical backdrop. But then if those had been, like, characters who were really plucked from reality like i actually i love what um law and order does you know pulled from the headlines yes and there's no there's no that's so true you know because actually they put like two headlines together that and that have nothing to do with each other in real life and sort of then make their story out of that so like i'm good with all that and i think that that still speaks to the human condition and i i think to the point you're trying to make if in a perfect world, we would have a better education system that did a better job of teaching us critical thinking, and it's our responsibility to discern the information we're getting. But we don't have that, and in the absence of that, I think filmmakers in general should exercise a little more responsibility and make that ex more explicit up front. Because well, we, yeah, as okay. people, we, we're not, our brains are not designed to discern the information we get. We, whatever information comes in that's consonant with the information that's already there is going to stick and it takes an, it, you have to be actively trained to view everything critically and skeptically. I mean, yes, but I, that isn't my hill to die on. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't, if it suddenly, they all suddenly said ripped from the headlines, although some of the stuff doesn't make headlines like Eric Brockovich, right? Like I would be fine with that. So that's not, I like, if that's something you're like, I want this to go away. I want this to be something that we like change that into the new year. Okay. I'm not necessarily against that one. I think I'll say one more thing about that. I know we'll move on, but you know we are rapidly moving into a world that has deep fakes that where we will we will not be able to tell the difference between what is real and not and what isn't real. And the more often that somebody who's creating something that isn't real tells us, "Hey, I think this is valuable, and I want you to see it," but it's not an accurate, perfect representation of the world. I think the more often we hear that, like that that might help with some critical thinking. And so it's like, particularly in 2020, I just would love to see yeah. filmmakers be a little bit more forthcoming about that. That makes sense. I think that's fair. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned deep fakes. So at the time of recording this, this, you know, this is what what's today? The 5th? January 5th when, is when we're actually recording this. Just within the last couple of days, one of the biggest entertainment networks on YouTube laid off, like canceled almost all of their live shows. This is Collider videos. Oh. And they're intentionally going into, rather than doing daily live content, they're switching into scripted content and a series that they started of deep fake videos. Cause those are getting a ton of views. And basically like the, the ones that are prominent right now will have their own actor sitting back and doing an interview, <clears throat> imitating George Lucas with George Lucas's actual face on this body. So it looks like they're basically manufacturing an interview of George Lucas that is 100% fake. And 
it's all well and good right now, but we're getting into, we're, we're starting to get into some dangerous territory, so. So is that one of the things you would want to go away in Yeah, I'm not, yeah, this whole deep fake thing, and it's, there has to be some kind of, there has to be some way of of explicitly saying up front that this, hey, this is fake. And I know it's easy to say, look, consumers should be smart enough to see it, but but we get fooled all the time. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, so it's, it's getting kind of scary. But but so if your thing is is the is this idea of of being more upfront about it being a fictionalized creation and not just trusting what but what is your like what is something else you want to see like and and this I know that there's one specifically you just have mentioned offhand um, which is time travel. Oh yeah, so I mean, in, ter- in terms of in terms of story tropes, like I mean, we've all talked about time travel. I don't necessarily need to see it end. Um, so the the the, th- the big three that 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 can get frustrating is interdimensions, alternate universes, time travel. Ultimate universes. Um, alternate alternate universes. Oh, alternate alternate oh, universes, okay. time travel. And I think I said <clears throat> the same one twice. But anything anything that gives writers an easy they they paint themselves in a corner and then they don't want to commit to where they've gone, so they just re- retcon everything with time travel, or, oh, there's an alternate universe, or there's an evil twin somewhere. Anything that starts resembling soap opera writing, I get, it's like, it's, it's come on. Um, it's just lazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I the minute sort of time travel is introduced to my, and it seemed to me like, you know, there used to be good stories with time travel in, because people actually had to kind of think it through. One. The time travel story could be told once, and everybody else is either trying to retell that same story. Is it the Ray Bradbury or, story where they go back and kill the dinosaur, or is that somebody else? Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's like that, and that was really like, and that was a great story because you hadn't thought of those ideas before. It's like actually, you know, it gets referred to as the butterfly effect, right? You hadn't right. thought about that, and then it's like, oh yeah, but you know what we've thought about? We've actually thought about it so much. And yet it's not a reality in any sort of way that like, you know, I can't incorporate time travel into my life. I'm really only moving in one direction at any moment in time, so. So is that partly what your challenge, not challenge, but like what you dislike about it is that it's not a realistic sort of solution to it, to narrative? It, so if I may jump in, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of, of breaking the rules you've established in a way that <laughs> we have no frame of reference for judging. So you, once you introduce the time travel, you can do whatever the hell you want, and it's kind of like killing somebody and bringing them back. And it just, as, as a consumer of art, if you want me to care about something, I have to believe to some extent that the stakes are real within the world you created. And if you keep, you know, Rise of Skywalker with their six fake out deaths, it was one, of the, it was one thing that really got annoying with that movie. If, you know, if you're gonna keep doing that, then I'm, I, I'm not, you're trying to get an emotional reaction out of me, but you're not going to get it because I know you're not going to commit to it. Um, and then alternate universes, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going in this direction, and right now I trust them to do things well, and they they kind of have to. So if you so big 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 picture, they're bringing in a whole nother universe of characters into these movies that in theory should have been there all along, but because they didn't have the rights, they weren't there. So they have to come up with some way of working 
the Fantastic Four and the mutants oh, in, into these they, movies. They got the rights for that. Yeah, they bought Disney bought Fox, so they have everything of but it did. they have everything but Spider Man now. Oh, but, that's right, because that was it yeah. wasn't sure it was gonna. So be you have so you have this entire world of mutants that are now at some point going to be introduced into these movies, but they have to have a way of explaining why we haven't seen them. So I get that they're going to have to do it, but if if they dwell on it too much, it's it's going to get kind of it's going to wear out its welcome pretty fast. Yeah, I agree. That's one of my number one things to go away is that that sort of like the time travel alternate universe things and 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 I don't know. I'm not I'm not overseeing a huge multi-linear like story plot subline. So I don't know that there's a better solution. So I don't really have a good replacement for it. I don't yeah. have a like let's just just do it like this, you know what I mean? I I don't. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think sometimes like just create something new and and have it just be separate. Like I don't know where they all need to interact. I don't I don't understand that sort of need for the, all the crossovers and for all those people to meet and those characters to meet. I'm not a, I don't understand that. I'm well, it's so so specifically talk about the Marvel Marvel. About two or three years ago, four up to like four or five years ago, everybody tried doing this because they saw how much money Marvel was making, and it's the kind of it's the kind of structure that doesn't work for everybody. Marvel can get away with it at, at this point. Marvel is exceptional. They can do it, but they're the only ones that can do it. Everybody else just it, 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 it gets old, yeah. But now that Marvel is doing it, it would feel weird if now you see a movie with um, Thor and there is no crossover with Captain Marvel or Guardians of the Galaxy. Because in your mind, you're thinking, or if you take the space stuff out of it. If you see a movie with Fantastic Four, you'd be like, why wouldn't Spider-Man be there to help him out? It would just it would feel weird. Can't but, they just be a different universe? But it, but it, but we have those movies. You you have tons of examples of those kind of movies. I know, like what? Yeah, but so if you like, want to have, but for the people that want to have a shared a shared universe, you have to have a shared universe. And right now it's Marvel. But if, but if you want to, if you want standalone movies, go watch DC and the bullshit they're putting out. Well, no, because Superman and Batman met. But they're 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 backtracking though. So now so going forward, the DC movies are going to be more standalone ish or. They're not worried about. They they failed. They tried to do a shared universe. They failed miserably. They were, so now they're going to do. You know, every movie is is even if there might be some crossover, they they're they're not beholden to what another movie is doing. I think that there's a, a kind of a desire on the part of uh, people writing content and creating content to be. Uh, you know, to be edgy and come up with something that's just different. And, and, and there, were, uh, there are a million ways to take this sort of alternate universe thing in a different direction, but they've literally all million of those have now been done <laughs> four times. All million of them. And it's just like, it's not, it, it pulls away some of the, you know, the framework that character has to work in if all of a sudden they get to sort of pull this card that's like, oh, I'll just go back and fix it, you know? Or, you know, maybe when I fall asleep, I wake up in a different universe. And when I fall asleep in that universe, I wake up in this universe. And it's like, you know, even Russian Doll to some degree, which I really liked Russian Doll, but it was just like, you know, we've seen this story. So I keep living the same life, but it decays a little bit every time. And so, you know, it's fine until like it's going to decay so much that that's going to be a problem for me. So I have to fix it. You know, how do I how do I fix it? Well, I use fix number 14 is the you know, is the plot development number 14 to fix it. And I like Russian doll, 
but it wasn't surprising or challenging in that sort of way. And you kind of knew that ultimately, oh, they'll, they'll sort of figure out how to get out of this. And that's the thing with all of this time travel stuff and all of the alternate universe stuff is just like they're finding different ways to kind of poke at the same plot solution. And I just think it becomes kind of lazy. I think it comes ultimately from a good place. It's like, let's make something that'll really, you know, make people think and be inception, you know? Like people, t like when you say inception, you know, like the dream inside the dream inside the dream inside the dream. It's like, okay, you know, great. We've done that now. So thanks. Let's move on to something else. Right. How about actually right. narratives of like real people in real places talking to each other in <laughs> that's real your, time. That's so, your idea of a great movie. Yeah. And, I, and I, I would say that I don't feel, I, I like the fantastical element and the sort of, you know, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in our last episode, which is this idea of these huge universes. Like um, Star Trek, one of the things they did with the current Discovery series is it came up with this very, very convoluted, weird, complicated retrofit for why um, Spock has never, Spock has a sister, but the sister's never been mentioned before, right? And 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 there it was a very weird convoluted, and I could have just done without that. Like, I just want to be like, Maybe Spot, Spock, who is let's, a Vulcan, is not sentimental, has never mentioned a sister before. But they did this machination of plot to get that so that it could fit into the universe of that. And I found that that was kind of like, it, it, they sacrificed some interest of the story in order to make that happen. Right. So to go back to your original question, <clears throat> here's, here's, my, here's my actual answer of things yes. that I want to see go away. And it, it gets to what, you, to what you said. Know the genre you're in, understand the 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 nature of the genre you're working in and just stick to it. Now that doesn't mean that you can't, and I'm gonna use Star Wars as an example. The original Star Wars episode four, A New Hope, the true brilliance of that, of that movie was that it did not have a genre. It was fantasy, it was science fiction, it was a samurai film, it was a war film, it was a uh, western. western. It had all these things, but at its core, it was just a hero's journey, which is, which is universal. So, and that's that, that's the example of blending genres in in an in, in a in a in a compelling cohesive way. The problem was when George Lucas went to go do the prequels, he forgot that at its core, Star Wars is primarily fantasy, and he said we need to start exp giving a scientific explanation right. to this thing yes. and turn it more sci-fi. Science, 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 like, science fiction. It's like the the more he tried to explain how the Force worked at a, a some kind of a empirical level, the less sense it made. In 2019, um, particularly the beginning of the year, there was a whole run of movies where the movie started off one way. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Matthew McConaughey's Serenity and then um, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves's um, Replicas. Mm. Replicas was a science fiction movie for an hour and a half and then they tagged on this like crazy action ending at the you know to, to wrap it up because they didn't they didn't really know how to end it so they just gave it an action shoot 'em up ending and it's like you you just crapped the bed at the end so that'd be my thing understand what genre you're working in if you're going to blend genres do it from the beginning and just so you're telling a cohesive a cohesive story that we understand what the rules are yeah, and we, we talk about that in writing is you have to earn the ending. Yeah. Like you have to set up things in the start of a narrative that justify what happens in the end. And so if you're suddenly changing genres, if you hadn't seeded that early enough, then it's not an earned ending. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah, replicas. Like it, it was actually, I mean, it was a crappy movie to begin with, but it, it actually had the seed of a decent idea. 
and then they just ran out of steam and it just turned into punch them up shoot them up right i'm sure you could see renee as a writer that like i can solve any writing um dark alley that you ever get into with a character by just having that character abduct by having that character abducted by an alien at the end and taken away and it's like okay but like it was that, all a dream. That, that's the, yeah, that's the famous dream. one. Like, yeah. It's like that literally happens, and that's so lazy in some of these things. And, you know, we talked in a previous podcast, or was it this one, about actually letting characters die? Like, you know, sometimes the character is in such a dire situation, and I'm sorry, you as the content creator have put them there because it's sort of the story that they ought to just die. Yes. You know, and you ought to let that happen even if you want your franchise to go on forever. Right. You know, so don't keep saving them. Right. Reichenbach we, Falls and Sherlock Holmes going over the falls. And... Yeah. We talked about that in Season 2, Episode 3, which broadcast last week. That's... Hopefully. That's like, oh my God, that's time travel. <laughs> Time travel by we recording time travel back on the same day. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break, actually, and go to our sponsors, and then we come back. I'll talk about what my thing that has to die in 2020. So, great. All right, welcome back. So the thing I want to talk about, and I, I wasn't even sure as I was thinking about this, because I had a couple of things that I that actually we kind of covered, like time travel and those. I was like, those need to go away. And I had a couple of real obvious ones from narrative perspective. Like, I think this idea of like the uh, this husband and wife mishmash where the, the wife is always smarter than the husband and the husband's kind of a doofus that I want that to go away. <coughs> I want this cough to go away is actually what I really want to have happen. Hold on one second. Um, but the thing I want to have go away in 2020, which it won't realistically, is the elitism of media. This idea that certain types of art, this kind of goes on the Scorsese, it was Scorsese, right? He said this. Mm -hmm. This idea that certain types of art and film and books, that somehow some of them are above others and that we're meant to engage with some of them in a way that is more enriching even though the engagement with art at any level is in and of itself an enrichment. And so I want us to all just, and whatever that thing is, cause I know like you're never gonna love a Marvel film, which is fine. Like as long as you keep loving films, right? Like as long as you keep going and supporting that. Um, She's talking to me by the way. Yeah, I'm gesturing to Scott. Yeah, I mean, I think hopefully they figured that much out at this point, <laughs> like this is their first, well maybe it's their first episode, but um, this, this, the sort of line we keep putting in the sand saying something's worth something and something's not worth something. And this kind of builds on that conversation we were talking about at our first podcast of season two with this idea of like, what do you read? And feeling as if like this idea that we somehow need to consume things that are meaningful when they don't need to be, they can just be things we enjoy in the moment. Right. I really want to that to be more of the movement that happens in this year. So I mean, this this is something I've said before. It's one of my it's one of the cornerstones of my of my of my thesis. There's there's two purposes to any art, whether it's painting, music, movies, whatever, and that's to educate or to entertain. And either of those either of those objectives are equally valid. You know, one movie that I keep mentioning is Grandma's Boy. Or I've mentioned a couple times Grandma's Boy. That has no educational value whatsoever. 
Grandma's Boy. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> it is one of it is one of my five favorite movies of all time. When when did that one come out? Uh, early two thousands, late nineties. Okay. Um, it's it's Adam Sandler isn't in it, but it's from Adam Sandler's <laughs> production company. Okay, okay. But it's all his regular Sandler players. War. <laughs> it's all his regular players. I I love that movie like like an old shoe. It is it is absolutely perfect. No social educational redeeming value to it. It is just it is just a movie you watch to be amused for for two hours. I actually was thinking about doing an episode of this thing where we where we each make each other watch something that we think the other <gasps> person would hate. I love that. And if we do that, y'all are gonna watch Grandma's Boy. <laughs> um, and I, you you guys actually might actually enjoy it. I would love it. But um, but no, but it, it's just it's completely it's completely pure Complete entertainment, yes, and I yeah. and I love it. Yeah. Um, the perfect art form does both. Richard Pryor, George Carlin, they were they were masters of doing both at the same time. But I'm but it's totally fine with with something just being educational. You know, Jojo Rabbit. It's hard to call enter, Jojo Rabbit entertaining, but it had it had such a strong emotional connection to it because it it was educating us on on some aspect of human condition. Um, but it's but it's also hard to, it's hard to say that you were entertained. I mean, I kind of was, though, right? Like, I'm entertained by the... I'm, like... I think this idea of entertainment, too, is, like, I... I love horror films. Like, I love the terror of being scared, and I find that... And I subject myself to it. So there's an entertainment in it that... Even though it's painful. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think that... The... That sort of... That split of entertained and being educated that both of those sort of sorry I had, I had to kind of think through this yeah, yeah. exactly right? no, I get that, it yeah so there was, did, a, yeah, there was a long lose, pause there, so. it was actually the last episode of uh, Sopranos <laughs> yeah that's right yeah that just happened in my head yes that 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 also both of those things it can exist on a spectrum or on a on a basically like a you could you could chart them on a graph and there's no there's never a right answer to this there's never a way to say that's the most educational thing that ever happened and this is the least and that's the most entertaining thing that happened and that's the least and the and actually the way that you measure those two things is really different too like if it's entertaining a lot of people will just sort of be entertained and they'll just tell you that you're entertained. If it's educational, people will, you, you, like, I think that's harder to measure because people actually have to sort of walk away with something that then they bring into their life in some sort of way and that is kind of useful for them uh, down, the, down the road. I think that when, when people making content are aware of what they're making, like, it's a, I generally hate stupid humor. I just don't, don't, usually like it very much but i get why and i know that a lot of people really like it and i have nothing against somebody who likes a movie that's like full of stupid humor i just know that for me for the most part but every now and then, it's not your jam yeah it's not my jam and every now and then i'll go into something and i'm thinking i'm just not gonna like this and i love it and i can't tell you why so there's this to both of those things there's this sort of ineffable quality it's like Zen, right? Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. That book, you know, they 
talk about you know fixing motorcycles, riding around, and what is quality. And by the time you get to the end of the book, you've got no really better idea than you had when you, you started it because there's nothing, there's no way that you can really get your head around like what's a good quality stupid humor movie and what's one that's just a stupid humor movie that nobody's going to find funny. And so that's why we've got to open the door to people to create a lot of really different things and understand, like Renee says all the time, it's not going to be your jam. And I don't want to take that away from anybody else. And the older I get, the more I know what I, the more I can watch a trailer and go, I'll probably like that, or I don't think I'll like that, or whatever. So the responsibility is really kind of on us to some degree to sort of do the sorting out. And and to also not equate you not, we, you know, you and the royal you, the theoretical you, you not liking something with quality. Like those aren't the same thing that just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's bad, right? Like that, that sort of, that's a correlation people sometimes make that they connect those two. I'm not computing. If I don't like it, it's because it was bad. <laughs> I mean, think about the lighthouse, right? <clears throat> it was bad. Like Exactly. Exactly. Like, I know, but say it was low quality. No. Right. So exactly. It was definitely in the most... 100% way possible, not my jam. Now, for me, I'm going to just say one thing quickly. Yeah. Like, like y you all have gotten me to three Star Wars movies <laughs> and three Marvel movies, I think, in the last 12 months or so. And I was thoroughly, absolutely thoroughly entertained by all of those. Although I you didn't, didn't put them like, on your, la your list. Yeah. Your, your... Well, I thought that, I mean, for me, they were my least favorite because maybe like to me just going to be entertained isn't necessarily the only thing that I'm looking for when I go to them. But I thoroughly enjoyed the experience of being there and watching them. So, so I was entertained. So that sort of education to entertainment, like we all get to decide how far we fall on that. And get, you know, a different day we're gonna feel a different way about a movie yeah. too. And also, I only took you to movies that I thought you might, that I thought would be good. I did not take you to see Aquaman. Yeah, because right. <laughs> that you, you you would have been so mad. You would have, yeah, <laughs> as you should be. Um, Thank okay, you. I'm gonna <laughs> yes, that's so I'm gonna do like a Jeff and and also sort of put a, an example out there that may sort of push this idea. Fifty Shades of Grey. Have you read it? No. No. Okay. What are your feelings about that book? Haven't seen it. The. The book. The book. You haven't seen the book? <laughs> no, I've seen the book. Oh, are you saying I haven't seen the movie? The book. Yeah, yeah. I've seen 35-year-old um, women in airports reading it. It is, so, it is the best-selling book of the decade, depending, you know, decade, because there's a lot of decade stuff happening right now, so whether or not this is the decade or not, doesn't matter. The point is, huge, number one-selling book. So... So what I know of Fifty Shades of Grey is not very much other than the person who wrote it was actually trying, was started, it started as like some kind of Twilight fan fiction. Fan fiction for Twilight, yeah. yes. And f it could just be self, you know, you know, selected quotes, but some of the lines I've seen from that book are pretty cringe. They, yes. Now, I wouldn't, I, so... I wouldn't begrudge, and so this is where we, we've talked in the past about um, pandering to particularly like minority audiences or, under, or underrepresented audiences. I wouldn't begrudge. Um, I did go see. I did go see Book Club, mm -hmm. which I will say is an is is a terrible movie. But That's not true. But yes, not Book Smart. Book Club. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Book Club. I think <laughs> why did you, agreement why did you go see that one? Um, so this, this this was in 2018 when I was literally going to see almost every movie that oh, came I, out okay, okay, for, okay. for bandwagon fans. Okay. So I went to go see Book Club, and I'm pretty sure there was, it was, it was a it was a free showing as a preview showing so many people showed up that they actually opened a second theater to accommodate all the people that wanted to see this so my theater was packed i was the second youngest person and one <laughs> of four males in this entire theater I'm sure it absolutely 100 is not a good movie and i will stand by that but I do not. I would not begrudge the people that went to go see it because that is the only movie released that year that had them as the intended audience. As and I'm talking people over 50. Yeah. So, on the one hand, I totally, I, I totally get your point that you know we shouldn't we shouldn't look down on people. But on the other hand, I would also say that we should also hold filmmakers to a higher standard and say, make better content for those underrepresented people. More content. I, yeah. I mean, but but yeah. but. I also think crappy contact is content is also allowed, right? Yeah, like, yeah it yeah. is. It is. And I, I, so I have this this uh, philosophy where um, I'm sort of you know keeping my eye on trends within books, right? And as certain series starts to get hot, I have a rule where I read the first book in every series. And I'm not really a series reader. I was when I was younger because a lot of science fiction stories are in serial format, but. I am, so I'm not really going to invest in it. I've read the first Harry Potter. I've read the first Twilight. I've read the first Fifty Shades of Grey. And I can say I get why Fifty Shades of Grey is not a paragon of literary form, but it was still very entertaining, like an extremely entertaining book. And and I get the appeal of it. I understand. I mean, it was sex on a page, which is not, it was sex on a page that was safe because it was, you know, safe yeah. you know so so it's so like i i grew up and this might, might be a little revealing but i mean i grew up with uh with cinemax or skinemax so i grew up with waking up at two in the morning to go sneak into the living room and watch the little softcore porn flicks yep and and that's in you know and there's a there's a place for that but but then when we when it comes to critique and analysis where do you put that compared to little women or something you know it's like it, it, it is like apples and oranges, but... I mean, right. It, a little bit, but because there's apples and oranges, maybe we don't compare them. Yeah, and that's totally... Yeah, and that's, I think that's... Yeah, that's totally fine. Oh. I, I think both are true. I think, like, understanding that there are genres and types of material that are going to be out there that are going to appeal to people that don't necessarily appeal to us. Um, not looking down our nose at things that we consider to be like, you know, not highbrow enough. I mean, I think that's where it gets to be a little like, if you just think you're, you know, for somebody who thinks they're too smart for Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm sure a lot of smart people read Fifty Shades of Grey and really enjoyed it too. So you can't, you probably can't really, I haven't read it, but you can't really take a knock at it that way. Um, but I do think it's okay to sit down and say, like, where was book club problematic? Well, it falls right into your, you know, stupid husband trope for right. one. Correct, yes. You know, yeah. and so is that a little bit offensive in a way that I don't think they intended it to be offensive? It's like, yeah, you could say that. So, so everybody gets to have their jam. We still get to talk about it and we don't have to like it. 
and it's not I don't want to be forced into a situation where I go like I think Dumb and Dumber is funny I don't think Dumb and Dumber is funny I sit through the whole thing I just don't laugh I don't know why you know maybe it's Tori checks out yeah maybe I need to be French and I get it or something right they like Jerry Lewis I don't think Jerry Lewis was funny you know there's and so like that's okay and it's okay to I think for for somebody who's doing criticism to say like I just don't find that funny we can't assume that we're speaking for everybody when when we do that we know we're not because these movies make a whole bunch of money yeah and i and i i guess it sort of like just looking at it purely as a like a, a consumer but now also because we're doing critical analysis in many ways i find that i'm very not anxious but i'm less interested in deconstructing something that's easy to be deconstructed right like it's almost too easy and then i, I have to think about like in, in doing that deconstruction of something that's really easy to sort of dismantle to topple how how much of my sort of like my own biases are playing into that and and it, it's hard to to know and do and always be self-aware enough to know that i'm i'm breaking down something because it isn't my jam, but also I have had access to different experiences and, and philosophies and points of view that let me see it from a slightly different angle without understanding really that that that's elitist that can be elitist in some ways too. So it's it's really interesting to start, particularly as we're putting our our official word out there. Like for me is thinking about like what am I willing to critique? Um, particularly as a writer as well who's who teaches students, I I'm really careful. I don't wanna get into that game because I'm not I don't want to be a gatekeeper in some ways in, in that in that way. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, for me, has been sort of an existential sort of crisis about like what we're, what work we're doing here at the podcast, but also overall and what we put into the world about what we want to break up, break apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know like when I look at my own work that, um, and sometimes it's really pedestrian. I mean, sometimes it just is. I create stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not really that excited about this. And then I have moments where I'm creating things that I'm like, I really, you know, I really feel good about this. I'm really excited about this particular image or this particular sort of, you know, little film that we did for a client or something like that. And it's like, so I'm not going to be even. I'm not going to even hit on every cylinder every time for myself right much less for everybody else and yet if i'm afraid to get out of whatever the last success was then i won't try to do something new and different and possibly fail and i think we really need to give people the opportunity to put something out there that we just ultimately don't love that much and then to just say right. and right. just keep trying and keep trying yes and us not be the gatekeeper for them right sort of the fanboys don't travel us. back to the last yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so so then so then at what point is it too much is it what i'm sorry so at what, at what point is it too much we're like no actually that probably should not have been made like that any disney remake you know like that's my thing it's like any disney remake i'm like no that was too much there's my line in the sand right there so. Although I am excited about the new Mulan. I will go on record saying that I'm excited about that one. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. That's the. I mean, honestly, that is a little bit of a shifting sort of tide. Like, particularly when we talk about this with movies, about how much excess there is, like how much money and production and, like, people get involved, which is different than one person churning out a, one book, you know, and then self-publishing it. I'm not going to begrudge them that, right, versus someone Right. And there's, I would say, one more thing that I would like to see end in 2020, and it's this, you know, it's not going to happen. This is thousands of years of history, is just people producing content 
from a place of ignorance, mm. whether whether it's um, you know make, making movies that has somebody with the the bad person in the in the movie is always gay or black, right? Um, making a movie that talks about mental illness when they clearly have no clue what mental illness you know the mental illness in it is something like Joker. Um, yes. But just just movie movies that come from a place of ignorance where the person where the the people making it just quite frankly don't know what they're talking about. They didn't do the work. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do the work to make that happen. Yeah. But I mean, again, that's that's people. That's thousands of years. It's. It's not ending time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these lists are very wish. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's not going to come to fruition. So, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that's a fairly solid. I think those are pretty good. Let's put them out into the world so they become manifest. Is that, isn't that the idea? Is there, okay, that'll work. So it's all on us is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we got to really push these out emotionally, like really manifest this, you guys. Um, but so we, we were talking about dark stuff, stuff we want to see end. What did you see or do this week or recently that you want to talk about in a good way um in terms of like sort of content and yeah stuff what do you making, like what do you want to recommend we we've been uh we've just been binging the office the, oh. the american office and uh i haven't watched it since the first time through and i think we probably saw the whole thing although there may have been a few uh, episodes Absolutely. that we missed but uh it's just it's just really there's some stuff that you, that now is cringeable in terms of like, oh, that probably wouldn't fly in the fa- even though they're making fun of it. Yeah. Even so, it's like, oh, that wouldn't really fly in the face of me too. And you know, so maybe we get better. So it, it's helpful to that. But the relationship between the maybe four main characters in a lot of ways is really sweet. And so, Jim and Pam and Dwight and Michael, like, just have some chemistry there that just makes you want to keep watching and it doesn't feel like a train wreck even when it like comes up on the you know comes close to being a train wreck and always comes back and sort of speaks to this idea that um that these are actually basically even the ones that you don't like very much are you know pretty much decent people at some sort of core and you care about them over you know over the arc of the series um and and then the other thing about it the last thing i'll say is is it's fun to me that every now and then Michael Scott just like I just like I do my own mental deep fake and I just put Ricky Gervais's head yeah. on Michael Scott and I'm like oh yeah I mean it clearly you can see how much of it even as you get further in the series where Michael Scott is more sort of fleshed out you can see how much of it really comes from Ricky Gervais's comedy which I find very funny did you watch the British office yes it's brilliant yeah 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 so I've I've gone back and started watching all of the Star Wars movies from the beginning, oh, chronological okay. order. So I'm I'm ba- I've eight and a half down, three and a half to go, and it has been it has been really interesting going back and seeing. Even though even though it was done by you know different periods, different eras, different styles, different different levels of special effects, different now different directors, different writers. You can actually go back and, and reverse engineer like a through line and like like a, a one continuous story going through all of this and even like the the standalone movies um, solo which would have chronologically comes comes out right after Revenge of the Sith um, but it actually it, it actually kind of gives you a window into this galaxy that was otherwise missing um, particularly like 
not with the force users, not with the empire, but just what do what do normal people within this galaxy are doing? You know, criminals. And then um, um, Rogue One, you know, told this other story that just even though it's its own standalone thing, it, it fed right into Star Wars: A New Hope. And it's, it has been really cool going back and, and watching all these. And even though the, I still think the prequels are garbage, um, I, I, I've, I have a new appreciation for them somewhat. They, they have some redeeming qualities, although they're, they were just executed terribly. Right. So. Well, that happens sometimes. You go back in time and you, you actually find something that you discarded completely and look at it again and go, oh, there's actually, there are a few things there that maybe... You dust, I, the, you dust off the dust, it. you're like, it's not yeah. that bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, some things that are still pretty bad. Jar Jar Binks is still pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That's, is Jar, is Jar Jar Binks never bothered me as much as as a lot of other things in that movie. It's, it's bad, but he's, the entire movie is... He's, yeah, anyways. <laughs> That's a different episode. Of the, of, the, of the 10 things that made The Phantom Menace terrible, Jar Jar Binks is like number eight. Mm. We had to do like 10 characters we hate. That'd be a good podcast that we just wish had never been written in the first place. Oh, sure. That would be fun. Okay. Each take three. Take notes. Who's taking notes? Anna? Taking notes? Yeah, she's got it. <laughs> um, I asked this question and did not think through and I was I was doing active listening so I wasn't paying attention to I mean I was paying attention to what you guys were saying and uh so I don't know that I have a good recommendation except for The Witcher which um which, and maybe we'll I'll reference which this Witcher? again The Witcher the TV series on Netflix uh that is that is really entertaining and I know it had a slow start and I last time I saw you um it was I was one episode in or two episodes in but it picked up pretty nicely, and I am a fan. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go. I'm going Are you done? It. Have you finished it? Yes. Okay. Yes. I so. read a really. I read a great review, oh, that, which I, made me think I should go back and try and watch it again. There was an initial interaction, sort of very early on, where actually Anna kind of said, "It's like they just said something that didn't need to be said because it was implicit, but they think we're dumb." Yeah. And so we turned it off at that point. But what's interesting is you have to be really close attention to t to time cues. Because it's actually kind of complicated and time is not working the way you think it is and you have to pay attention to those clues. So they're actually being very subtle with time. And I like that. I think maybe that's a little bit of why I entertain. I was like, oh, and I started rebuilding the timeline um, in my mind because it's not what you think it is. <laughs> and like memento. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit. And, it, and I pulp, was, yeah. yeah pulp, pulp fiction-esque. Yeah. Yes, Very, correct. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a better yeah. version yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you think things are happening simultaneously and they're not. But um, it's just... It's just entertainment. It's pure entertainment, but in a way that doesn't take itself too seriously. People talk are making unfair comparisons to Game of Thrones, and I don't think it's trying to be Game of Thrones. It is based on a, a book, some books, and then it's and then also a game. It, so. The show is definitely based off the books and Correct. not the game. Not the game now. Um, There's been a lot of jokes I, about I, that. I, I watched it. I just I think I just finished it like about a week ago. I can barely remember it. It has it had absolutely no staying power with me. Well, that's that's okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, maybe try to give it another, give it an episode. Where, where did you I say it kicks in? Three, I, episode three? I would say four, actually. Four. I don't know that I would recommend it for you. I don't think it's a movie. 
I th- or movie TV series I think you would like. So I, if I were to put it out there, I wouldn't say that I would. Recommend. It didn't just jump out at me. As no, like, I, this. I, I don't think of you as a, a, a fantasy or science fiction yeah. person either. So, Not so much. I don't, I don't know why, unless you're into Henry, Henry Cavill, you know, chest hair. I mean, there's no reason really I, I would see for you to watch that. So, um, so yeah, I, I would say to some of the fans listening, go go watch it, but not necessarily to you. So. so you're telling me I can't watch it? Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Do not, and then now you're going to want to watch it. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this has been What the What. I'm Renee. Jeff. And Scott. 